My name's Will DeFries, and this is the Sunday Scaries Podcast, your cure for the Sunday blues. This week, we're going to talk about grout fits, breakfast teas, and jam bands. What's your ideal Sunday outfit? You might stay in pajamas all day. You might wear athleisure to brunch even though you didn't work out. You might wear actual workout clothes because you weren't hungover and actually did work out. Or maybe you just put on a comfortable pair of jeans, your favorite t-shirt, and a sweater in case it gets chilly outside. Whatever it may be, there's something tangible about the way we dress on Sundays versus every other day of the week. And quarantine has had a very serious effect on fashion. I've asked myself a lot of questions when it comes to going back to normal. Are we all going to start dressing down? Do my old clothes even fit anymore? Are we doing more or less online shopping? And if we're all working from home, is this the end of business casual? Every Sunday night, I discuss my panic room on Twitter. I talk about my normal outfit, which normally consists of boxers, a roomy, oversized cotton t-shirt, or maybe even a quarter zip pullover if it's a little chilly in my apartment because I have my nest set too low. But Sundays are largely all about comfort, as I'm sure you know, which is why it's high time that we discuss the grout fit. The grout fit is probably something that you can probably put two and two together and figure out what it is. It's just a gray outfit, all gray everything, no edits. Pop Sugar described it as, uh, well, they said, the term grout fit comes from a fusion of words gray and outfit, like I just said. A grout fit is simply two or more articles of clothing in varying shades of gray worn together. It's pretty simple stuff here. Another site, Racked, even weighed in on it. They said grout fits are for letting your hangover claim you for practicing defiant coziness, for admitting that you just don't care about how you look and may never care again. Grout fits are uniforms for giving up, but on purpose. Even Man Repeller weighed in on it. They said, as much as I love the color gray in general and as much as my winter clothing options seem to be riddled with it, there's a very palpable sense of ugh-ness that tends to shroud it as soon as January looms. And there's also a lot of celebrities who love the grout fit, just like Emily Ratajkowski, for example. She's probably the biggest celebrity proponent of the grout fit. I've shown many photos of her on our Instagram page, and one of them is when she's in bed with her husband wearing oversized sweatpants and an even more oversized sweatshirt and a pair of Vans, and yes, they're all gray. She's got another one where she's wearing gray bike shorts and a gray tank top, which are both the same color, so I guess it's not differing shades of gray like uh, like our publication said they need to be. Another, she's wearing gray leggings, an off-white shirt, and a pair of Vans. And in all these photos, yes, she always has her dog in hand, which I really do appreciate. Another celebrity who's into it is Kendall Jenner. She's got the more hungover look. She was spotted in LA wearing a tattered gray uh, cashmere turtleneck sweater, some gray sweatpants, and she completed the look with some Adidas dirty Stan Smiths and a pair of sunglasses. The Smiths are white shoes, but I will say they were a little beat up, so I think they count for gray. Another one, Victoria's Secret angel Taylor Hill. She's got the at-home grout fit. She had a gray cotton sweatsuit with her hair in a top knot and a pair of gray slippers, even with a doodle to couple up with. Maybe she was a little inspired by Emrata. And our final celebrity is Gigi Hadid. She dresses up the grout fit. She was spotted in New York wearing a matching gray cashmere set with silver heels. And grout fit's not the only matching set thing that you can wear these days and get away with it. Matching sets have really taken over since the pandemic began. As Vogue put it, quote, a matching set makes for a more elevated and effortlessly put together at home look even when that means head-to-toe cotton, French terry, or fleece. A coordinated sweatsuit is a comfortable choice for watching movies or working on puzzles, making quick runs to stock up on necessities, or even doing actual workouts without having time to change. 
A little effort goes a long way when it comes to loungewear they complete. As for me, I've got my grout fit pretty honed in at this point. All I do is wear some gray Outdoor Voices joggers, a gray long sleeve I May Leon door shirt, and even a little Earl Grey tea to drive the point home. But more on that in a second. If your mailbox is anything like mine, 90% of the time it's a fairly depressing place. Political flyers, utility bills, unholy amounts of coupons. But once a month, I have reason to be stoked, and that's because of my box of awesome from Bespoke Post. Over the past year, Bespoke Post has sent me everything from weekender bags to martini shakers to steak knives, and I use each of them more than I ever thought I could. Currently on the site, they've got a bunch of boxes I want moving forward. A fall-feeling whiskey set, their Soothe box with a bunch of Scary's Essentials, and even a craft beer set. Take it from me, Bespoke Post sends guys only the best stuff every single month. No matter what you're into, Box of Awesome has you covered. From styling grooming goods, to barware, to cooking tools, and outdoor gear, Box of Awesome has carefully built collections for every part of your life. To get started, take a quiz at boxofawesome.com, and your answers will help them pick the right Box of Awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. It's free to sign up, and you can skip a month or cancel any time. And the best part... Each box costs only 45 bucks, but it has over $70 worth of gear inside. You can get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter code SCARIES at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code SCARIES, for 20% off of your first box. I don't think I'm the only person who can say that their habits have changed over the last six months. I've been working out more because I'm not getting out as much. I've been saving more money because I'm not going to bars and restaurants. And I've even decluttered my apartment. And as I've said before, the biggest change I've made is that I've traded in coffee for tea every single morning. My reasoning for doing so isn't all that rock solid. There are a few reasons, but honestly, it was just kind of a natural change that I didn't mean to have happen. There's less caffeine, about half as much as my normal coffee. It's easier to make. I just put some... Uh, some water in my electric kettle and heat it up with some tea bags instead of using an AeroPress to make my coffee. And it's honestly cheaper. I haven't dipped into the more expensive teas yet due to my lack of knowledge, but I'm trying to educate myself right now. If you're anything like me, you've stepped foot in a tea aisle at a grocery store and you've gotten completely overwhelmed by the options. I don't come to you today with expertise, but with the fruits of my laborious research. So first off, what is breakfast tea? A website called Tea Forte, which, yes, is a phenomenally named website and also just, you know, a website about tea, so you know it's pretty relaxed. They said, tea dubbed as breakfast blends are made from a variety of black teas combined, a, and combined to offer a bold morning blend. Though no specific guidelines exist as to which teas are used in what amounts, each area of the United Kingdom has its own signature blend. English teas are pro predominantly made of Chinese black tea, but may contain Assam, which is from India, or Ceylon, which is from Sri Lanka. And the Irish breakfast tea is a mix of Assam, Ceylon, and Kenyan tea leaves, while Scottish breakfast tea is often blended from Assam, Kimum, and Orange Pico. If you are a tea expert, I greatly apologize for my pronunciation and mumbling of all of those because I was absolutely frightened to say them. But I think you can forgive me because I'm trying to get tea out there to the rest of the world. And if none of you, and if none of that made sense to you, I can surely say that I feel the same way. Essentially, breakfast teas are just blended black teas that contain Assam, Ceylon, and Kenyan teas. No one really knows how they got the name breakfast tea, and black tea is perceived to have more caffeine than other teas, so it makes sense that people would start wanting it in the morning, even though that's not always true. Black tea's flavor profile is similar to coffee, so it pairs well with milk, cream, and sugar, 
so making the switch may not be so painful. Let's break each of these down one by one so we know the difference. English breakfast tea is hands down by far the most popular. There's probably a lot of stores where that's the only thing that you can actually buy. It's rich and full-bodied and it pairs well with a full English breakfast. Beans on toast, bacon, sausage, egg, tomato, and mushrooms. It sounds ridiculous to eat that in the morning and I think it probably is, but I have to say, if you had a long night before or a big day ahead of you, a full English breakfast isn't the worst way to start the day. Irish breakfast tea is a little different. It's sweeter, it's smoother, and has a hint of malt. This complements the full Irish breakfast, which is essentially the same thing. It's bacon, sausage, black and white pudding, and potato, all fried in butter and sopped up with traditional Irish bread. And then Scottish tea, which I didn't even, Scottish breakfast tea, which I didn't even know existed until I saw it in the store recently. It's obviously the hardest to find, but it's definitely more robust and the strongest. It's a, with a traditional Scottish bre breakfast, it's the same as an English breakfast, but with some Scottish pudding and a scone, maybe. Frank Sanchez of Upton Tea Imports said, Scottish breakfast tea tends to be the hardiest of the bunch, possibly due to Scotland's soft water. Back in the day, teas were blended specifically for the water conditions in the area in which they were marketed and consumed. It's conjecture, but perhaps the water in Scotland demanded a stronger tea. Other than more obscure breakfast teas, there's China, Welsh, American breakfast tea, and even French breakfast tea. And there are a lot of benefits to all these teas. Black tea is rich in flavonoids, and if you're anything like me, you didn't know what flavonoids were until I just said that, but they're plant-based phytonutrients that protect your body from degenerative conditions like heart disease and cancer. And these teas also have vitamins and nutrients just like everything else. They include potassium, which is important for mitigating the effects of too much sodium on cellular health and fluid levels. And since many people have too much sodium in their diet, black tea may help balance out that ratio a little bit and offset it. It also contains folate, which is an essential nutrient for tissue health. Black tea even helps up against bad breath, which you pretty much get every time you drink coffee. And it can even temporarily, temporarily reduce your appetite. And if you're out there and you're talking to people about how you're just doing your, your fasting every morning, then I have to say, tea might be the perfect thing for you. My first jam band show was at a fish concert. I don't love fish necessarily, but I'm also not that experienced with Fish's full catalog of work, so I'm not going to say anything bad about them. I've always associated it with stoners in high school, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I was always more into punk music, so we never really saw eye to eye back then. But yes, it sounded like a good time to go to the concert, and yes, I did end up having a good time. But it wasn't until I went to a widespread panic concert that I fully understood why these shows are so popular and why people just spend so much time following them around the, the country. I've always listened to jam bands from afar, whether I was on a Pandora station, which I actually got very into jam bands through Pandora for some reason. I started listening to Steve Kimmock Band Radio, and it kind of changed my entire perspective on the genre. And more lately, I've been watching full live shows on YouTube, and even back in the day, I would illegally download uh, full shows on Napster and Kazaa. Mo, Humphreys McGee, Government Mule, String Cheese, Widespread Panic, Perpetual Groove, Dave Matthews, Fish, The Almond Brothers, and yes the patron saint, the Grateful Dead. And even John Mayer's The Dead, Dead & Co. resurgence has brought jam bands to the forefront again. New audiences are dipping into old dead shows, myself included, and you can kind of see the style trickling back into our general culture. In the jam band community, there's always been one saying, never miss a Sunday show. I looked this up on Reddit to try to get an explanation for it because I knew there had to be an explanation somewhere. And this commenter said, quote, it originated from the dead. I think the biggest reason 
that this is a thing is mostly due to three-day runs that typically end on Sunday. It's unusual to have a standalone Sunday show, and on a three-day run, the band and the crowd have gotten a chance to acclimate to each other, to the venue, to the city. There's a comfortability that settles in, and the three-day return on investment ends up being a barn burner show. That being said, that whole motto is kind of a double-edged sword for me. How can I go to a Sunday show when I refuse to leave my house after 6 p.m. on a Sunday? Well, Trey Anastasio, the lead singer and head man of Fish, he did an interview with New York Times Magazine, and they asked him, is there a dream concept for a Fish concert? And this might be the best way to get me out. He said, I know there used to be. When we were younger, our dream concert idea was ridiculous. Now that dream is that you'd walk in, and there'd be 10,000 massage tables and people walking around with herbal tea and bowls of fruit salad. The sound would be perfect. Everyone would have their own private bathroom, and there'd be enough room to dance and no one squishing into your space. Endless supplies of really good coffee. And while I might want some tea, I, c I think I could do some coffee at a fish show. That doesn't sound too bad. Unfortunately, this is pretty much the opposite of any show that I've ever been to. While I don't participate all that much, drugs pretty much run rampant when you go to a show like this, which can make for a Sunday that no one wants to stare directly in the eyes. Which is probably why Panic wrote The Blackout Blues. And they said, like a dark horse down the stretch, falling in and out of bars on my own, I pick my head up off the ground. And I have to say, and if Blackout Blues doesn't directly reference Sunday Scaries, I'm really not sure what does. What I've learned about Anxious Sundays is that they often stem from some of the most fun experience you'll have, even though you feel like you didn't want them anymore. Whether it was the night before or 10 years ago, it's always fun to revel in the fun you've previously had. And reliving those experiences in a sober state can give you the kind of the same endorphin rush that you got at the time, or at least this kind of a similar feeling of nirvana. With the endless supplies of shows now existing online, both audio and video, there's no shortage of ways to enjoy a show on a Sunday night, even if you're not going to one. Whether it's Grateful Dead at the Capitol Theater in 1976, John Mayer with Dead & Co. in 2019, or a random show from Nugs.net, a, a website that has every show you've ever dreamed of, it's just kind of nice to settle into just one steady piece of work for about three hours. I don't have any plans to go to any Sunday shows anytime soon, so reveling in the past glories of nights out isn't the worst way for me to spend a Sunday night. That is, until fish start implementing their massage tables, individual bathrooms, and endless supplies of coffee. I'll try to be front row for that. If you liked what you heard today, make sure to subscribe, review, or tell a friend in need about this podcast. By subscribing, you guarantee that each and every episode gets delivered directly to your phone every Sunday morning. You can also follow along on Twitter, at Sundayscaries, and Instagram, which is at Sunday.Scaries. Or you can follow me both on Twitter and Instagram at Will DeFreeze. And remember, always trim the wicks on your scented candles. See you next Sunday.